Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. Joining you Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. UK time. I'm joined by Bailey. How are you doing? Good? You good? You well? Happy? Yeah, I'm well, TC. How are you, mate? Not bad. Not bad. Uh, I love this comment straight out of the chat box uh, as we go live from uh, Judton, who says, uh, why are we taking so long to buy any players whilst other clubs are already signing big names again? We're all doing this talking about selling players. Edu said we are ready for the summer. It is only the 1st of May, Judd. So you've got to chill. You know, there's lots of time to get stuff done and ready. And uh, of course, we'll be talking more about transfers in today's show because uh, that is, of course, the focus of the summer and we're going to kick off uh with this idea that lucas torreira you probably saw these quotes coming out yesterday from him talking about how he wants to return to fiorentina he's not the first player you know to come out he's not even the first time he specifically has come out and said where he wants to go specifically two summers in a row now torreira is talking about last summer it was boca juniors now it's fiorentina belly are these players you know purposely sabotaging their value at this stage yeah look i don't even class them as Arsenal players Anymore, I think Hector Vedder wow. and Lucas Torreira. I completely forgot that they actually play or they're members of Arsenal. I think <laughs> it was almost guaranteed that they were set to leave at the start of last season. So I think they're just frustrated at their at their movement at the moment, where they can't move clubs. It was guaranteed for them, and now their their clubs that they were unknown to wanted to make a permanent move to are having struggles financially. So obviously it's frustrating for them, and they just want to leave the club. I don't think they need to say they want to leave because I think it's clear. They are going to leave. I don't think they're in Arteta's plans anyway. So I don't think it's clearing their value either. I don't think we was, was going to get a lot of money for Bellerin, of course, Torreira, around 15 million euros, but that was in installments, mm. I believe. So we wasn't going to get much money for them anyways. No, we weren't. What I would say, though, is that is it a problem that we need to kind of try and curb? Because, you know, Bellerin's talking about wanting to go to Betis. Torreira's talking about wanting to go to Fiorentina. It really does kind of undermine a negotiating standpoint, does it not, when it comes to selling players? I don't think so. I think in these in these type of situations, I think it's quite isolated. I think, if, like, for example, if we're selling, let's say, Bert Leno this summer mm. and he says, oh, no, I want to leave, I want to do this, I want to go for, to this club specifically, then I'd be worried. But where Hector Bellion and Lucas Torreira, they've been away from the club for so long, I feel like any type of profit that comes in is is good money. So I don't. I feel like those situations are kind of different towards... If there are players who are in the Arsenal squad, played actively last season, and it wasn't, and it wasn't clear that they were going to, going to leave the club. Mm. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I suppose if they've been on loan, it, it makes more sense. If it was, yeah, like Nicolas Pepe, for instance, as well, who looks like he could be moving on, saying a specific team he wants to join, it would lower that. What do you make of Fiorentina though, specifically, like going past the deadline to activate the 15 million? There was reports yesterday that they're supposedly going to wait until the end of the window because it will force Arsenal to accept a lower fee. How do you feel about that? How does Edu have to tackle kind of these situations? Well, if Torreira's deal wasn't an obligation to buy, mm. they, they're in their rights. They can do what they want to do. If they want to do that, they can do that. But that, that must mean Edu has an excellent chance to, to, to really be stern and prove himself and not be bullied into a lower fee by Florentino waiting until the end of the season. Hopefully another club does come in and tries to mm. try to snatch him, but we shall see. But yeah, it is a good chance for Edu to, sh to show other, other clubs that he can't be pushed around. And despite him being new to the game almost, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a victim who you can, you can bully. So hopefully uh, a deal does get done over, and it does get over the line soon so we can just forget this whole Torreira saga because for me, he's not even an Arsenal player at the moment. I would like him <laughs> to leave, but, but it's just not a deal with that. It's a deal that needs to happen, most definitely. 
Do you think in terms of the amount of signings we're trying to make this summer that it's reliant upon the, you know, the sales that we make this summer? Do we need to make sales if we want to say complete five or six signings? Depends what positions we're, we're talking about. I think, for example, if we want to sign a Serge and Abri, we don't really need to sell Nicola Pepe, for example. I think Leno as well, his money coming in will help. But players such as Torreira, Guendouzi, Bellerin, I don't think will really depend on those uh, incomings too much. But if you want to sign, for example, a centre-back, then we would need to sell a Rob Holding, for example. So it depends. I think the striker and centre midfield positions are, are areas that need strengthening without any, any need of sales. But other areas of the pitch... May may need that before we can bring in another player. Maybe a left back as well can be done without any without any sales there. Yeah, I think I think it's to do with the number of signings that we're looking to make. You know, I think we need to sign six, seven players this summer. You consider them, you know, goalkeeper, two centre mids, two forwards, a wide forward, a versatile fullback. If you want to make all those types of signings, we are, I think, going to have to move players on. But we've got a lot of players that are fodder, uh, if, you know, basically fodder at this stage. You've got Bella and you've got Torreira again. Doozy's moving on, as we know. Um, Mavropanos has already moved on, but you've got players like Nicolas Pepe, Ainsley Mate, the Niles, Reese Nelson could still go. So there are areas that we can make money this summer. If we don't get that money in, though, I would think that maybe we're limited to the four or five rather than the six or seven number of signings that we could make. Uh, and it's going to be another big test for Edu, of course, to try and make those signings and, and make those sales as well. Regarding kind of the priority position, though, yesterday was kind of the day of central midfielders. There was updates on Yuri Tielemans. It said that Arsenal still see him as their priority target, but that two other clubs are very much interested in bringing him in. Who they are, we're not sure, though. I believe Manchester United are probably yeah. one of those two teams. Tottenham as well could arguably be one of the two as well. Uh, and Fabian Ruiz was was linked again. £16 million was the previous figure. Classic De Laurentiis to Napoli, raising that price, £25 million, supposedly what he wants. Of those two, who would you lean towards the most? I'd lean towards Yuri Tielemans simply because mm. Yuri Tielemans has the necess necessary Premier League experience. I think um, he's shown on a Premier League stage that he can he can perform in the Premier League. Of course, he's cheap as well, twenty five million. Also, and I think he's the player that Arteta wants. You can tell he's the priority, and I'd like to bring in Yuri Tielemans rather than risking Fabian Ruiz, who hasn't played in the Premier League yet, of course. And if Napoli are willing to sell, then let's get in Yuri Tielemans instead. Fair enough. Yeah, I do lean towards him as well. I think, you know, the same explanation in terms of uh, Premier League experience. You look at him as a player that has been a leader at Anderlecht and Monaco and, you know, has, has borne that as well at, at Leicester. I think that with central midfield, it's that's the area that I think when we talked about sales there, that's going to be affected the most. Depending on how many we get rid of will depend on how many midfielders we bring in. I think one is is near guaranteed for us to bring one in, be it a Tillemans or a Ruiz or a Neves or someone along those lines. But I think we do need two because we're playing across, you know, there's four competitions. I don't look at the options that we have as being enough strength in depth. Would you agree with that? Do you think two centimetres needs to be a priority? Absolutely. I've always said two centimetre fielders need to come in. That's why I believe, I'm going to mention his name, Hussein Aula, 13 million plus a Yuri Tillemans to make sense rather than Tillemans and Ruiz maybe mm. might be a bit more difficult due to the finances in, in those two deals there. But I reckon if we sign a a player who's who's low in value and then a player high in value in centre midfield position, it makes sense. And of course, if we're able to get rid of Ainsley Maitland Niles and and players on those lines, I and mean, we we're not even sure about Granite Shaka's future yet because I know uh, mm. Jose Mourinho said I know Football to London understands that Jose Mourinho is still very interested in signing him this summer. So Granite Shaka's future is not confirmed. Even though I'd like him to stay, that's still that's still a still a player we need to keep a keep a close eye on. 
Is, do you really think Granit Xhaka is that likely to go? Because I think it's pretty much guaranteed he's going to stay at this stage. I don't know. You don't, the transfer window is very long. So the transfer window is very long. Xhaka might change his decision if, for example, if Roma become, become aggressive in the transfer market and they and they put a deal forward for Xhaka and say, look, we want you again. What would have changed from last year to this year? The new contract, possibly. Maybe that would be it. But again, if Mourinho comes knocking, Xhaka might still be open to the move like he was last season. Mm. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think that with Xhaka, he said he wants to achieve something special before he goes. I'm not sure fifth place is, is something special necessarily, but this season we might see, you know, maybe a Europa League win or getting into the top four like we weren't able to last season. But Vicky and the chapel saying that he feels that Xhaka will stay. Uh, we're going to tackle some of your questions in the chat box as well in a second. So if you've got any that you'd like to throw in for the last section of today's show, make sure you get them in there. Now, um, the last kind of point before we get on to questions, though, is that you probably saw uh, Ben Foster having a chat with Tubes yesterday about his future. Uh, he's now a free, J- free agent after leaving Leicester, uh, Leicester, Watford. Um, but I remember talking about with you saying, yeah. would you bring in an experienced keeper for that third place spot? Because... You know, Arthur Okonkwo and Carl Hine look like they would take it from a youth perspective. But you look at most clubs, they have that experienced figure. Um, we, you know, we, we brought up Man United and, and Heaton as an example. We brought up Manchester City and Scott Carson as another example. Do you think it would be worth getting in Ben Foster? I mean, just for the YouTube channel alone might be worth it. <laughs> just to see. You know, we've had all or nothing for Amazon this season. Maybe having a Ben Foster vlog for next season is the way forward. Yeah, it's funny how it comes that perfect timing. So we were just speaking about it and suddenly Ben Foster's mm. ben Foster's putting his resume out there. But yeah, no, I think it would make sense to have him as a third goalkeeper. I think he said it would be second choice, but I'd rather have him as a third choice goalkeeper just for the experience, of course, to teach Ramsdale a few things. He's a good goalkeeper. He's had experience. He's played for Manchester United. He's played for England. So he has a necessary experience. But I would say the YouTube channel must go if he's straight to Arsenal. I don't want Really? To yes, because I, I can already see the toxic atmosphere, the banter to come from it. I just don't think it would be good for the squad harmony, etc. So I'd rather him not keep the YouTube channel, just keep it Arsenal away from the away from the videos. But yeah, no, I would like to, I would like him to come in. I think it makes sense. Free transfer would be cheap a year just to just to get some experience for, between the sticks for the gunners. Let's jump into the chat box then and take some of your questions. A.A. Ron in the chat says, Hi, Tom and Bailey. If we only signed one midfielder, do you see the midfielder coming in being a left centre mid and also being Odegaard's backup as we don't have any other creative forces? No, this is why I say bringing Hugh Seven out of TC's TC new, new one's coming there. That's what I'm saying. We need Odegaard. We need a backup for Odegaard. I think last season... Erdogan was excellent, but there was times where he needed the pressure relieved of him a little bit. He needed a bit of help in the creativity side of things. And he didn't have that because our other attacking midfielder, Smith Rowe, is not really a creative midfielder. He's more of a midfielder who can score goals and he's more of the midfielder who's on the end of the end product rather than creating a chance for end product. And I think if we bring in a player such as Hussam Aula, who we've been linked with, and probably the only creative midfielder I can think of who we have actually been linked with, mm. it would be a it would be a shrewd signing. Also can be a backup to Erdogan. A shrewd signing. Assured, yeah, you used the word assured and Hussein Mawar in the same sentence. Yes, um, yes absolutely. Tell me. Because, <laughs> because he will be an excellent backup for Erdogan. If Erdogan wants to come out the side, are we going to be able to play Erdogan in the Europa League, the Premier League, the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup? Because TC, if Erdogan doesn't come in at the moment, who takes his, who takes his position? We don't know. Who does. Look, I, I don't want backups, Bailey. You know, I'm not interested in backups. I want starters. I want competitors. Yeah, so I don't want to see Ed- Arsenal bring so If Erdogan comes out of the team, let's say yeah. Erdogan, God forbid, he gets injured. Sure. Who takes, who takes his position? 
well, a, a player that's as good as Erdegaard that we've signed. I don't want a backup in Awar. You know, Awar can't compete with Erdegaard. Erdegaard's levels above him. So I, why would I want a backup? You know, I'd oh, rather then, see us go out and sign a creative player in that position. So you said our your your top signing midfielders are Telemans and Fabio. Telemans. Telemans. Mm, oh, no, I said that if they're the two kind of priorities for that one role, you know, if the, the, the Granite Xhaka style role. If you said that we would bring in two central midfielders, I'd want to see, say, you know, a Telemans and maybe a Gundogan come in. You know, Gundogan's great going forwards for City, you know, and he doesn't necessarily have to play week in, week out with the rotation that we'd have. So he could take on that offensive role that, you know, that uh, Odegaard's got there, I think. He's not as creative as him, but I certainly think he gives you as much in the final third of the pitch. Yeah, no, I agree. I like Gondwin. All I'm saying is our role would be... (laughs) We're never going to (laughs) agree on that one. We're just never going to agree. Carabo's asking, what about competition for Thomas Partey? Do you think that Lukonga's getting underplayed at times? Underplayed? Oh, do you mean in terms of under... Yeah, under... I think... Are people not rating him yeah. as highly as maybe they should do? Yeah, because we need to remember when Sammy Lukonga first came in, the game against Brentford, the game against Norwich, he was sensational. He was absolutely excellent. I think he needed just a year under his belt to get used to the Premier League. And I think he is I think he is an ideal Thomas Party backup. I think the Europa League would be perfect, perfect for him to really, really gain experience, really gain maturity for the midfield. And then next year we can really see him flourish. And I think he'll be a good Thomas Party backup. I think, yeah, you're right, DC. People need to stop sleeping on Albert Samuel Congo because I think he's a player of potential. He's been called up to the French, the Belgium national team. That shouldn't go unnoticed. Belgium have a very good midfield. Mm. And the fact that Samuel Congo is in contention for that just highlights the ability he does have. So I think next season will be a big, big year for Samuel Congo, especially due to the fact that we are in the Europa League. And he'll be a good a backup to most party. Afsar says one problem Odegaard does not show up in the big games. Scored in the North London derby last season, scored at Old Trafford this season. I'm not sure that's a fair criticism of Odegaard. I think he does show up in, in those games. Sure, he could be more consistent, show up in them more consistently, but to say that he doesn't, categorically, I wouldn't necessarily get on board with. Uh, Neil's asking, what's the situation with Onana? Now, you know, you need to be specific because there's now two Onanas on the scenes <laughs> now, Neil. We've got Onana, of course, who's joining Inter Milan, um, is going to be competing with Handanovic from Ajax. Arsenal, you know, were interested, but since we brought in Ramsdale, that's kind of gone to bed. And now there's the Onana, I believe, who's a Belgian international now, being called up to the Belgian international squad. Central midfielder could potentially be a, a Lekonga competitor. What do you do? You think that when you've got, say, a young Belgian international that's then competing with a player like Onana? that it goes against the idea of signing him. Because in the same way that we're being linked to Aaron Hickey, of course, who's a Scottish international left-back, would compete with Tierney. Is there an argument against signing players of the same nationality that would compete for the same position in both their club and country? No, I think it creates excellent competition. I just think of previous examples. I look at Manchester City when they signed Sergio Aguero and they had Carlos Tevez in their ranks, a similar type of player. I think it creates good competition. It also keeps the players mm. on their toes. I think of RB Leipzig when they had uh, Ibrahim Konate and, and Deo Pumacano in their ranks as well. They Those two were able to grow together. So I think it's I think it's good to have in your squad. I think having, for example, Onana and Samuel Conga, Arsenal can only benefit from it. I think the only player that will not benefit is the player that loses out or the player that doesn't want to work hard and compete with his with his international uh, colleagues. So no, I don't think we have. there would be no issue with that, having two players of the same nationality. We'll round the show off with this final question from Peter, who's really pushing it to me here. TC, last season we had Nketiah, Aubameyang and Lacazette as strikers and the squad was said to be thin. Why do you think Nketiah Ooh. and one other, say Jesus, will be enough? In my defence, I did say that it would be Nketiah, Jesus and a wide forward who can play centrally. So it is still the idea of bringing in three forwards, including Nketiah. 
I think that the reason why it was thin with those three originally, because Aubameyang wasn't scoring. And as we saw from Lacazette's contribution, he wasn't offering us enough. So I think that it was thin in regards to the goal output. I think Nketiah, with the form that he's shown at the end of last season, going into next season, in addition to Gabriel's goals, uh, Jesus' goals, I should say, and possibly that of a wide forward. I mean, you look at Cody Gakpo, you look at Gnabry, these are guys that are putting in 30-plus goal contributions a season right now. So I think arguably you would see that that's enough coming into the team. Would you say that's fair or would you think we need to go for, you know, Nketiah and two out-and-out strikers? No, I completely agree with you. I think Nketiah, striker and a wide forward, he can also play as a centre-forward at times, is, is, is exactly what we need, exactly what we should be doing. I think that's the perfect, perfect balance. Updates on Jesus for those asking. The latest is that Arsenal still remain, you know, uh, very much ahead of the queue of players. But he's with the Brazilian national side, and his future isn't going to be resolved until he returns from international football. So we can expect some some movement on that. There are other clubs interested in him, but Arsenal are said to be the ones leading the race, having you know laid the groundwork on this all the way back in November. So the hope is that it will be one of the deals that gets done this summer. But we'll have to wait and see. Thank you so much for tuning in. Always appreciate your time. Drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already we'll be back a little bit later on this afternoon with your second video of the day bailey thank you so much appreciate your time thank you as always tc and guys in the comment section too absolutely we will see you very very soon and as always keep following us down the arsenal way